Welcome to the Determined Mom Show, the only marketing podcast dedicated to guiding mom CEOs into tranquility, wealth, and multiplying those precious moments. Welcome to the Determined Mom Show. I am here with a very special guest, Dr. Lynetta Willis. She is a psychologist and a family empowerment coach for smart, successful women and their families. And she will be talking to us today about how living in stable misery with your family can impact your business. So welcome, Dr. Willis. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited that you're here. Um, You recently participated in um, the Business Bomb Summit and Mm -hmm. delivered such an amazing presentation. So um, thank you. You know, it's just, I loved all of the things, including the Venn diagram and all of the, (laughs) I'm like super nerdy like that. So I absolutely loved it. And we're kind of going to expand on that today. So the first thing that I want to ask you is how you got started working from home and that kind of thing. Like what was that process like and that journey for you? Yeah. So um, a psychologist by training, even though I do family coaching now. And after I got my PhD, I entered into private practice. And I did that for a number of years. And when my daughter was born, I have a son and a daughter. Um, so I was in private practice with my son. And then when my daughter was born, we had moved. So I shut down my practice and I kept saying, I'm going to start it up again. I'm going to start it up again. And then when my daughter hit like five, I was like, Maybe I don't want to start this up again because I keep, I've been saying this for like five years now. Um, And so I started to look for other ways that I could use my skills and and share things that I knew. And I found the realm of coaching. And so now I have decided that I love, love, love working with families and couples and parents and coaching them to break free from stable misery so they can have more joy and harmony families. That's awesome. I think that's a common thread. If you listen to all of the different podcast episodes, everyone just has that point where they're like, nope, I don't want to do what I was doing before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just that like breaking point or turning point or whatever realization, revelation. I don't know what you call it, but so everybody true. has that. Yeah. And I, I love it because I'm able to reach more people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I'm, when I'm, you're just in a town in an office, there's only so many people that you can, you know, that can get to you every week. And I also get to spend more time with my family, you know, and I'm, I'm, my time is more flexible. So I really enjoy doing this actually decreased stable misery in my own family. <laughs> so you put your own, um, actions into, into practice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. So what is, and now I know what this is because I, <laughs> influx and outflux a bit uh, frequently, but what is stable misery? Yeah, so stable misery, it's that point that we get to in maybe one or two areas of our lives. People that come to me, they usually see it like in their parenting or in their partnerships where things are going along, but so they're pretty stable, they're familiar, they're relatively safe, but people are feeling unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. unhappy, frustrated consistently, right? And they're finding themselves in these situations where they're repeating the same cycles or the same patterns again and again that just aren't helpful and aren't feeding them um, and aren't feeding their family. And a lot of times it happens in marriages or partnerships. We see ourselves kind of entering that, maybe going from soulmate to roommate, you know, or repeating those, finding the, yourself in the same fights again and again and again and not sure how to break free. And even in our parenting, you know, we, our kids are really consistent. 
They usually do the same things over and over again, but we find ourselves stuck in that rut with them. Yeah. And just not sure how to get out, not sure how to shift the dynamic that frustrates us so much. Oh, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know for me, I definitely feel like I do influx and outflux. Right now, I'm not in stable misery, which is great. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm in an out of it stage. But, you know, I really think that every single mother, business owner, whatever, goes through this often, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I think it's a really common thing, especially in general. I think it's, it's a very common thing. I do believe that as business owners, especially those of us who, who enjoy our businesses. And if we're entrepreneurs, we usually do enjoy some aspect of it because a lot of us are doing it by choice. But what I notice can end up happening is that we end up using our business as what I like to call a mistress, right? And we use it as sort of like an escape route mm-hmm. so that we don't have to deal with the stable misery that we're feeling. So there is this really interconnectedness between our business and our our families when we're in stable misery. And they can affect each other. Yeah, affect each other. I was about to say infect, but I, I think yeah. that was a Freudian slip. Kind of, uh, yeah, I think it can infect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, in, I think an infection is when you can't control it, right? Yeah, then, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it ends up getting into a point where... Um, usually end up what I call like the business mistress cycle. You find yourself in this space where it starts out with stable misery in your family in some way. And then it moves into this business mistress phase where we just find ourselves like retreating to our businesses, like for a quick quick pick me up. You know, we might get into that fight with our partner. Our kid might do that thing again. And in order to soothe ourselves, we might let me check my subscriber list. Did anybody else subscribe? Or, or let, me, let me do another freebie, you know, or let me check my email for the fifth time in the past 10 minutes, you know. And we find ourselves using it as an escape route constantly over and over and over again. So then our business becomes that thing that we go to for soothing and support and a sense of satisfaction, right? Um, and it often, I say it as a mistress, our business soothes usually about the three different needs that we have. And the first need is our need for control, right? Like we have this need to feel control. And when we're in stable misery, a lot of times we feel completely out of control. Mm -hmm. Like we try to fix it. We try to do things differently and it's just not happening. But we control our businesses, you know, pretty well. Not always the outcome, getting the clients that we want, but we can control how we engage it, what we do. Our business doesn't talk back, doesn't fight with us, doesn't tell us we're wrong, right? Which leads to the next thing where competence. When we're in stable misery, often we feel so incompetent. Mm -hmm. I had a client once tell me, I can run a Fortune 500 company, but I can't get my kid to listen or I can't make my marriage work. You know, so it can help us to feel, it can feed that need for competence and success, right? We get that hit and we get that new client or we hit a new milestone or we launch something or whatever the case may be. It's hilarious. It is, right? I have a perfect example of that where um, (laughs) my daughter's teacher called me last week because I hadn't turned in any of the work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, um, I can't turn it in until like the weekend because I'm hosting a summit. And she's like, oh, what is a summit? And I told her and I explained it to her. And 
and all that stuff. And I told her where she could find it if she wanted to look it up. <laughs> and she's like, okay, great. Thank you. And then I talked to her yesterday and she's like, wow, I didn't realize that's what you were doing. And then it was just funny because I felt so incompetent at turning their work in on time and getting mm-hmm. it to the right place and all of that stuff. And I was just so frustrated with it. But then, you know, I just had posted and pulled off this summit for hundreds of women. And it's just such a contrast. Yes, yes. I love that example. Because the other thing that that example points out is the fact that it's not inherently bad that this happens. It's not inherently bad that we use our business as a mistress. It makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint because a species, as people, we are pleasure seekers and we go after that thing that makes us feel good. And if not turning in our kids' homework, which I can totally relate, makes us feel really incompetent, then yeah, we're going to want to kind of pull away from that. We're going to want to show where we shine and, you know, and because it doesn't feel good. Right. And so what ends up happening is we go towards those things that do, which is like our business or in your case, the summit. Mm -hmm. And that brings me to that last thing. So there's control, there's confidence. And the last need that our business can fill for us when we are stuck in stable misery in our families is craving. Right. And so overall, when we are you know, our business is our mistress. It can satisfy like a craving similar to how an addiction satisfies our need for feeling happiness or pleasure. Our business does the same thing, right? So mm. our business leads us to see like when we crave success, when we crave that sense of support or that need for like just structure? Yeah, structure. structure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Organization. It makes sense. Like we know what's coming next. (laughs) You know, Um, it's funny being home with my kids. It's interesting. I find it sometimes more exhausting because especially when I moved out of private practice and started staying home more, Mm -hmm. I would say at the end of the day, I'm more exhausted staying home with them because at least when I was in my private practice, I knew what was coming next. Right. Like I knew at five o'clock, Bob's coming in and at six o'clock, Susan's coming in. And whereas when I got home, it was like, I didn't know when the next dirty diaper would be. I didn't know when there would be a Lego on the floor that I was going to step on. I didn't know when my kid was going to have a meltdown. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's it, it definitely can satisfy that need or that craving for just organization and routine, you know. So as our mistress, our business can really um, it fits the bill. But the problem is the next step of the business mistress cycle. So you're in stable misery. You retreat to your business. Business becomes your mistress. You retreat to it to get those needs met. But then what ends up happening is the mistress very quickly turns into frenemy. And that frenemy stage is when you have a frenemy, it's that person who's like, it's a friend and they're always there to comfort you, but they're also an enemy in yeah. certain ways. Like they undermine or manipulate or, you know, yeah. and that's sort of the framework that our business can take too. You know, it's a friend because it's always there and it's comforting, but it's an enemy because when we use it in this way, we're actually ignoring what's going on in our family yeah. and it can drive our family deeper into stable misery. You know? So it becomes this thing that, the more we rely on it to feel good and to soothe those needs, confidence and control and the craving, the less focus we put on the areas that really need our attention. 
which is our most important relationships in our family. So then we end up, um, and then that ultimately can lead us into regret, you know, and all of this stuff, you know, the whole like, oh my God, my kids aren't going to be, you know, so that can lead into that realm. But what ends up really, and we can cycle around that same mulberry bush again and again and again, stable misery to mistress to frenemy, deeper stable misery to we rely on it more as mistress. It becomes even more of a frenemy, right? And, but there are ways that we can break out. There are ways that we can, you know, kind of spiral out of that cycle. And I call that going through a relationship evolution or a revolution, as I like to call it. Oh, I love that. Family, yes. (laughs) Revolution. Love it. Yes, yes, yes. And I can, would it be helpful to go into that? Or I wasn't sure if you wanted to say something. Yeah, definitely. I think it would be great to kind of give people insight Um, into how to do that. Yeah. So our a revolution, like it, when I, the definition that I love is it's a complete change in how we think or how we work. And it usually relates to society, right? So like how we may, how a, a, a town or a country may act, you know, you hear about revolutions occurring. Mm-hmm. But in our lives, we can also have a revolution. We can have a complete shift in how we think and how we work towards those we care about. And what I usually use is I use a framework that I created called the Relationship Evolution Roadmap. (laughs) And it has five steps to it that we can use to help break ourselves free. And the interesting thing is the five steps that help us break free are the same five steps that get us trapped into stable misery in the first place. So it's actually quite helpful to remember. That's good. Um, now, the first step, and if people want to access this, it's you can go to healingstablemisery.com and download the roadmap. And there are really specific tools and techniques that you can use right now that can help you to break free from any stable misery you may be experiencing. But I'll go over it a little bit now. It's, um, so each step, it's, it's the acronym is PAVS, and it stands for, uh, the P stands for perspective, the A stands for awareness, the T stands for tools, the H stands for healing, and the S stands for uh, self-empowerment. And the thing is, like when our business is our mistress, we often find our, our family is in stable misery because of the stories we're telling ourselves the stories that are in our head. And that's where the P comes in. So when you're in a relationship with your husband or your wife, you might be saying something like the stories you might be telling yourself are, you know, they never listen to me. We always go through this. This is never going to change, right? Especially those absolutist terms, always, Mm -hmm. never, forever. You know, those types of things can keep us stuck in stable misery because naturally they lead us to want to cycle off in a different direction, right? Because it's like, well, if it's never going to change, I might as well go update my website. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) So the stories we tell ourselves can keep us trapped in there. The other thing that is included in perspective is the vision. You know, there's that, um, that basic belief, that, you know, um, like where we put our attention, you know, what we, I forgot how it's a rhymey thing, but basically like what we focus on, that's where our energy goes. And if we constantly, if the vision that we're holding in our minds for our relationship is, it's always going to be this way. It's never going to change. I'm unfulfilled. I'm unhappy. 
and there's nothing I can do about it, then that's, that's naturally the direction that you're going to keep moving in. Yeah. Right. So it's really important that when we're in stable misery, we get really, really clear on the thoughts that we're telling ourselves. There's a book called A Course in Miracles that I was reading through with a, a friend of mine. And one of the things in it says something along the lines of like, there are no neutral thoughts. Like every thought, it either brings peace or war or love or fear, mm. you know? And I really like that because it really focuses on how powerful our thoughts are. Yeah. Or if you're with your kid and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this kid's so manipulative, right? Like yeah. how a three-year-old can be manipulative, I don't know. But I'll be, I'll be honest, I've thought that before you know, in my, those moments. My three-year-old definitely is. It's hilarious. <laughs> right? It's funny right. at this point, but yeah. It, it is. It's definitely possible. And then, well, it's funny because then I, then I, I often laugh because I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know. I don't know what's worse. The fact that I'm, I'm labeling this child as manipulative or that I can be manipulated by a four-year-old. Right. Like, 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 what's that saying about yep. me? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know? But if I say that, then that's absolutely going to impact. Nobody likes being manipulated. That's going to lead me to lean away. Mm-hmm. Right. But if I say something like, you know what? My child is using certain tools to get needs met. Mm-hmm. That's more likely to lead me to lean in because yeah. now I'm like, oh, well, let me teach you new tools. Yeah. Right? So or use them for good. Exactly. <laughs> use your power for good. Yeah. Exactly. Stay away from the dark side, Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, so really focusing on like our perspective, the stories we tell ourselves, the vision we hold for our relationships that can lead us into stable misery, but it can also bring us out. Mm, That's so powerful. Right? The other thing that we can do is the A stands for awareness. So when our business is our mistress and our families are stuck in stable misery, what I often find with a lot of my clients is, and I've been here too, absolutely, we don't really have a clear connection to our feelings and our body sensations. Mm -hmm. And this often starts, I find, in childhood. And that's that it did for me where Growing up, feelings were a liability, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Unless they were happy ones, they were a liability. They will get you in trouble, you know, sad and all these other things like, yeah. ah, those aren't helpful. Yeah. Right? So very young, many of us learn to disconnect from our feeling and the way our body feels. But what ends up happening is when we fall into stable misery, we often miss a lot of the cues that our feelings provide and that our body sensations provide to let us know that a certain relationship is moving in a direction that doesn't, or that in this moment, I'm doing or saying something that doesn't feel And then we sort of steamroll over that, and then we find ourselves in the stable misery pit, you know? Mm -hmm. So really getting insider or like reclaiming our feelings, reclaiming our body sensations are really, really helpful in helping us to move out of stable misery. Because I always say feelings and body sensations, they're just signposts. They're not good, bad, or indifferent. It's like a stop sign or a yield sign. You know, the yield sign isn't evil. It's just right. giving you information, you know? Yep. And same thing, sadness, anger, they're not evil, right? Now, if I see a yield sign and I don't yield, my actions can lead to certain consequences. Just like if I have anger, and I don't attend to it, right, then my acting out of that anger can lead to certain consequences. 
But when we're in stable misery, really focusing on what am I feeling right now? What's going on with my body? That can really help us to stop things before they get too far down the road. Yeah. And put us in a situation where we can speak for our feelings as opposed to from our feelings, which often happens when we find ourselves in stable misery. Wow. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. And then the T stands for tools. And I always say we're always using a tool. The question is not, am I using a tool? It's always, is the tool I'm using helpful or unhelpful, right? Is it for good or evil? (laughs) We were talking about earlier. And and when we're in a relationship, we're always using a tool. Yelling is a tool and taking five deep breaths are a tool. They're both tools, you know? So really figuring out like, what tool am I using? And those tools keep us stuck in stable misery because when we're in stable misery, all we have is a hammer. Everything we do, whenever we get into those cycles or those unhelpful cycles, or we find ourselves caught in those patterns, it's likely because we're relying on the same tools again and again to solve problems. And we're learning that it doesn't work. So instead of, you know, one thing we can do is reflect on like, what tool am I using, you know, with my partner? that keeps us stuck in there. Like, how am I contributing to it with the tool that I'm bringing, you know, to the yeah. situation? And what's a new tool that I can use? Like, let me try the wrench for once. What would the wrench do? And what that might look like is if your response to an argument is always to turn and walk away, what would it be like to not walk away? Next time? Mm-hmm. What would it be like just to stay and say, maybe, you know what? I'm realizing that I'm wanting to walk away right now. Yeah. You know, or shut down. Or if your reaction is normally to yell, if that's, if that's your hammer yelling, what would it be like to take five deep breaths for a moment? Or what would it be like to whisper? I always tell people when that, when you're, when you want to yell, whisper. Mm-hmm. And what usually ends up happening is you usually end up speaking with like your normal voice when you're oh, doing that. It is. That's a cool tool. Yes. So just try to whisper. Um, Just do something different. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be huge. One thing that I teach to a lot of my clients is I call it the the hold technique, Mm H-O-L-D. And when we're triggered, the first thing we can do is we can halt, which is basically just stop everything that you're doing. And then the O stands for open your hands. And I don't know like the real neurological reason for this, Mm -hmm. but when we open our hands, it actually ends up calming us. And I'm pretty sure it has something to do with tension and how, where we hold tension in our body. But when we open our hands, it naturally leads us to tend to relax a little bit more, you know, just kind of open your hands and drop them. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. So open your hands. And then the L stands for look around. And I got this because I used to work with clients who would dissociate because I, um, one of my specialty areas is trauma. Mm-hmm. And what often would happen at the end of a session, if a client was dissociating, I would bring them back to the present moment by helping them ground themselves by looking at things and naming things around the room or touching things, right? Like I, so I might say something like, Hey, can you tell me what time it is? Even though they don't have a watch on. Right. right. Because when you go to look at the time or do something like it automatically brings you back to the present. So the L stands for look around. So halt, open your hands, look around and literally start naming things. You don't necessarily have to do it out loud unless you just 
want to have your family wonder what's wrong with you, you know, but when you go like lamp, cup, table, drawer, book, right, it automatically grounds you and brings you back. Because we're in that My reality, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. And helps to like jumpstart our frontal lobe again. Because when we're triggered, our frontal lobe shuts down. Our amygdala or the emotional part of our brain is lighting up. So being able to use that really helps us to do that. So halt, open your hands, look around, start naming things. And then the D stands for do something else, anything else. Right. So even if it's take one step to the left or one step to the right. And basically what that's doing is it's throwing your body off that patterned path that we tend to live on when we get into those cycles. So doing something else will also help to bring us back to the present and help us to calm our system in the moment. So that's even a tool that you can use, like halt, open my hands, look around, you know, and if only you, if in that moment you can't even remember all of them, pick one. Maybe you yeah. just like, I remember I'm supposed to say things that I see. Okay, I can do that. You know, right. <laughs> any one of those would help. Right. So being able just to use a different tool, pick a different tool that's going to pick us out of stable misery. Even when it comes to business, like if you'd normally go towards your, I don't know, your laptop or you'd open up your smartphone, mm-hmm. see what it's like if, one evening when you engage your family, what happens if you put your, your phone on the charger, Yeah, you know, or you say like, when I get frustrated, I will not retreat to the basement. I will not retreat to the office. Right. And then don't, and then just notice, notice what comes up in you, you know, and ultimately you might end up retreating there and that's okay. It's not about knocking yourself down or saying, Oh, see, I failed. No, you learned something. Every second you can spend focusing on what makes it so difficult for me to stay in this moment right now mm-hmm. and what makes me want to retreat to my business to be able to handle the situation, you're learning something. It's giving you more insight. Wow. That's awesome. Right? That's such a, I think that in itself is a really, really powerful tool. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just notice. Notice what's coming up for you. Mm-hmm. And then that noticing leads us to the H, which is healing. Because what ends up happening is when we're in stable misery, by and large, something within us feels wounded mm-hmm. or something with, or there's an unmet need. Okay. So I often say, what within you needs to be healed or honored? And the longer we can sit in that space in the moment and not retreat to picking up our phone or, and if your phone's on the charger, right. And it's not right by you, then you're less likely to fall into that like subconscious space. And like, there are literally times, full disclosure, Mm -hmm. I have picked up my phone, opened it up, turned it on, and then sat there and been like, there is literally nothing I need to do on this phone right now. Why yeah, do I have but it's it like a hands? comfort. It's like your blanket. Yes. yes. <laughs> you're your yep. pacifier. And I'm yeah. like, there's literally nothing on this phone that I need to check right now. Yeah. You know, and but it is. It's soothing. It's comforting. It's like it's like your familiar space. Like, okay, I could check emails, Facebook, like Instagram. Like, I could check so many things just to see what's going on and what I, you know, what I need to do but Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and just veg out and it's always there for you 
Yeah. It is always, the thing I hate the most is at the end of the week when my phone's like, this is how long you've been on, um, on your phone this week. And I'm like, shut up. Like, yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me. Right. Stop judging me. I yeah. oh, Stop judging me, Siri. <laughs> you don't know what it's like. Like, yeah. <laughs> like. So being able to realize like that there's something there and mm-hmm. asking like what needs to be healed in this moment. And the longer we can sit in that space, the more likely that answer will start to come to us. And it might be something, you know, deep seated from childhood. It very well could be, or it could be, you know, an argument that you had with your partner last week that you never quite got over. Maybe you need to honor the fact that you're hungry or that you're tired. You know, if you notice that you're going towards your business more times than others, Mm -hmm. you know, realizing like, Oh, I tend to do this in the evening around five o'clock. I get real bad with it. Okay, then what is it that needs to be healed or honored? Like what's coming up for you around that time that makes you more likely to retreat to it at that And this is really important because going back to the frenemy piece, another thing that can end up happening in that stage is your family can start to become resentful of your business. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they can start hating it and like, oh, why are you having to go do that again? Why are you always there again? You care about that business more than me. And no, 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 you know? Mm -hmm. And while a lot of times there is some other stuff going on there, Mm -hmm. it's it's important to stop and ask the question, like, do they have a point? (laughs) Do I actually enjoy being around my business more than I enjoy being around my kids? Right. Or my husband, you know, and what does that mean? And is, what can I do about it? And then the last one is S, it stands for self-empowerment. Going back to the control piece of the business mistress, a lot of times in our families, when we are in self, when we're in stable misery, excuse me, and we're feeling that out of control feeling, there's a sense of powerlessness that accompanies it, right? Like I can't do anything like my client who can run the Fortune 500 company, but can't get her kids to listen or Mm -hmm. fix her marriage, right? Like that's really hard. That talk about a fall from grace, you know, like that's a huge gap there. Yeah. It's like opposite ends of the spectrum, right? It is. It is. And it can also bring up feelings of imposter syndrome, you know, and all kinds of stuff that just don't feel very good to us. So when we get, when we, when we use self-empowerment, it's really about asking in that moment, what is one thing I can do in this moment right now to move me one step closer to joy, which is the opposite of stable misery, by the way, dynamic joy. Like what's one thing I can do to bring me closer to joy? What's one thing I can do to help me feel more empowered in this? And it might be anything from voicing your truth to eating a cracker, you know, I mean, anything that you can do in that moment. And I often tell people don't feel the need to like do all of these at once, all of these things at once, but pick the one that you feel would be easiest for you. Like for me, getting clear on the thoughts in my mind, the stories I'm telling myself, that's my quickest go-to when I'm noticing that I'm relying too heavily on my phone for comfort or, um, you know, retreating to fixing this little thing on my website when it really is just fine. It can be there like going into like, Oh, I'm not really spending time with my husband right now. What, what's that about? What, what story am I telling myself right now? Like, Oh yeah, he wants to talk about finances. I hate that. 
Yeah. Right, right, right. I'm, I'm going to keep twi- twiddling around with my website, yeah. you know? And mm-hmm. so just getting really clear on, on that can really, really help us. So just picking one thing that maybe for someone else, it might be, oh, well, I notice my body sensations or my emotions mm-hmm. first. Okay, well, what body sensations or emotions clue you into the fact that you are maybe descending into that state of misery? What is that key emotion or that key body sensation for you that lets you know we're, we're heading in that cycle again, honey, right? Yeah. <laughs> that you can do. That's very interesting. And I think we all have those cycles and those, um, that ebb and the flow, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and that's, I think that's another really important thing to, to point out or to note. And that's that stable misery, it's not like an on-off switch, right? Just like dynamic joy, it's not an on-off switch. It's more of a dimmer. And like emotion, stable misery, like for my family, it's not that we never go towards stable misery. We do. We absolutely do. But we use it more now as an indicator. You know, like, oh, we're entering into those patterns again. Like, this is like the second time this week we've had the same argument. Like, maybe we need to, like, get clear on what's going on. And then we enter into, for me, it's the story I'm telling myself. And and my husband and I will literally say, you know, the story I'm telling myself is. And I'll say, well, the story I'm telling myself is, you know, and and it'll lead to a deeper discussion. That's cool. Help us get off of that patterned path and onto a more playful path right? That allows us to shift how we're showing up. But, you know, it's not like I'm in stable misery, I'm out of stable misery. And the good thing about that, the helpful thing about that is that it takes away the sense of disempowerment or like, oh God, we're just going to be here forever, you know, because it's like, no, you're in it, right? Right now. And you're aware of it. Now do something about it. Yeah. You can always do something about it. That's why I like calling it dynamic joy, the antidote to stable misery, because it's not something you either are or you aren't. It's, you know, dynamic, it's, it's moving, it's fluid, right? Yeah. So you can be, you know, joy doesn't necessarily have to be that point of ecstasy where you're levitating. You know, it's sometimes <laughs> joy is like, that would be nice. But. That would be awesome. <laughs> that is like my like, bucket list go-to point right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, right now, your dynamic joy might be looking at a daisy yeah. and smelling it. That might be as joyful as you can be in the moment. And that's fine. But five minutes from now, you know, it might be laughing hysterically with your kid, you know, or dancing with your partner to some silly music and making your kids roll their eyes at you in the process. You know, I mean, it's different things are going to bring us joy at different times. Right. And so that's why that self-empowerment step is so helpful because it's just about what can bring me one step closer to joy in this moment. I'm not feeling it. I'm unhappy. I'm unfulfilled. What's one thing that I can do to get me one step closer to there? Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. You have given us so many tools just in this short conversation for kind of mastering this. I mean, I think it's amazing. Yay. I'm so glad, you know, and I find that it's helpful to know, like, what are things that I can do? Because mm-hmm. as a therapist, uh, there was a lot of things that I would help clients to do, like in terms, like, long, like I said, I worked with a lot of trauma survivors and so things would take time, you know, but what I do now and, and as a coach I really spend a lot of time with my clients in terms of 
What can we do in this moment to get you from point A to point B? Point B might only be like a millimeter, but we can move you there, right? So, and I find that that's really helpful to people to be able to get small wins in their relationships, in their marriages, with their children, right? So I'm all about like, what are practical steps that we can take to give ourselves those small wins so we can say, ah, I did it. It worked. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I had a small win yesterday. I don't even know how it happened, but I, what was I doing? Oh, I think I was, yeah, I was working and I was working a little bit later because I was trying to transfer this website, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so I come downstairs and my kids are like, no, you can't come in the living room. And I'm like, okay, well, I kind of have to, to get to the kitchen to make dinner, you know? (laughs) And so then they're like, no, no. And so then I, you know, I did a couple things and then I just went through anyway and they had Mm -hmm. cleaned the entire living room and, You know, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is one of those joyful moments. And my husband kept saying, oh my gosh, they did such a good job. You know, like we were so excited. So it's just Mm. those, that's like one of those little moments of joy or whatever, cruise or whatever, where like they did, we didn't even ask them to do it. They vacuumed, they fixed the couch, what? rolled the blankets, picked up all the toys. It was crazy. So yeah. Wow. That is amazing. And I love the fact that you recognize it as that. Mm -hmm. Like often with a lot of my clients, one of the goals that I put out there for them is to have at least one dance party a week, like at least because we are, especially as entrepreneurs, because we're so driven, we tend to hit wins and then roll right past them. It's like huge things that we might've worked towards for like months and then we hit it and we check it like it was a to-do list item. Like, don't forget to put a new roll of toilet paper in the bathroom, you know? And it's like, wait a minute, that was freaking huge. Like that was huge, right? So really recognizing and having dance parties around, whether it be business or family, right? And like really being able to, celebrate and pause and just say, that was a good thing. And I'm really proud of myself. I'm really proud of myself for not yelling at my kid just now. I'm really proud of myself for actually staying in the space with my partner when we got in that fight instead of retreating like I always do. I'm really proud of myself for being proud of myself for once and not finding something wrong with everything that I do, you know, we're constantly searching for what I could have done better for just allowing myself to sit in this moment of pride. I'm really proud of myself, right? And so giving ourselves the honor of being able to pause and just say that is so helpful. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. And I know as moms, we don't do that. <laughs> no. Never. Not at all. Not at all. Like I have to often use my, take my own medicine, you know, like, Wait, no, I can't just run past that. Like I really, that was, that took a lot of energy and I'm, I need to be proud of that, you know? And it's also another way to integrate. Like I said, you know, your business, you don't want it to be your mistress, but you also don't want to kick it out of the house. Like it can be like a pet or like a little, like a younger sibling or something. Right. And something that, that the whole family understands and adores. So when you do something great in your business, share it with your family. You know, um, have specific, or 
in the, and this is where the Venn diagram came in, you know, in the reverse, when things happen in your family, maybe knock off your business a little earlier that day and celebrate it. Be like, you know what? I'm going to stop 10 minutes early today and we're going to have a dance party or eat a cookie or talk about what that win was like. And it doesn't even have to be huge wins. Give me small wins. Like you tied your shoe. I don't care. Just find something to dance about, something to celebrate, something to enjoy. Right. I love it. I love it. I think you've provided so much value in this episode and just the tools and things like even just if I were to just take one, like just acknowledging when something goes right or when there's a win, you know, just that one thing is going to change people's lives. Yeah. So. Yeah, so true. Um, And we know that because we know that when we shift our emotions, when we shift the emotion that our, well, even with all the paths, with the perspective, the awareness, the tools, the healing, self-empowerment, all that. The beautiful thing is because as human beings, we're we're a system, Mm -hmm. things connected. If you shift one, you automatically shift all the others. So, you know, if I'm thinking my little child is a manipulative brat, you know, or something Mm -hmm. like that, that's going to lead my feelings and my actions to go in one direction. But if I think my child has a need and it's not being met, and this is an opportunity for me to teach my child a different way, if I have that thought, then my feelings and my actions are going to go in a completely different direction. Yeah. Right? So changing one, just one of those, same thing with feelings. If I can find something to be, if I'm really agitated or overwhelmed or frustrated, and I can find one thing to be grateful for or one thing to move me closer to joy, that's automatically going to change my body sensations. It's automatically going to change my actions and it's automatically going to redirect my thoughts. So they're all connected. It doesn't matter where you start, just start somewhere and start with intention. And you're going to shift things in a way that pulls your family out of stable misery. So your business doesn't have to be your go-to and that you, so you can really enjoy the people that you're around. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of uh, resenting them or whatever. Exactly. Whatever the opposite of enjoying them. Right. (laughs) Avoiding, resenting, numbing out. Yeah. (laughs) Pick your poison. Yeah. There's a whole list of things there. Um, Well, awesome. Thank you so much for providing the value and the insight and all of the tools um, that we can use to kind of get out of stable misery and have that revelation. Yeah. A revolution. Right. Right. Revolution. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) The revolution. Revelation leads to revolution and vice versa. So it works. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, I have one for having me. Oh yeah, definitely. I have one last question for you. What is your favorite part about now being able to work from home versus, you know, when you had your private practice? Mm, That's a good question. My favorite part the flexibility for sure. You know, like it's, it's a double-edged sword in some ways because I'm here and when my kids are home and they know I'm here, you know, it's sort of like, mommy, an emergency. I can't get the Kindle to work. Really? Like, you know, (laughs) but at the same time, I love the fact that if there's something at the kid's school, like I can just block that off of my calendar. Like I don't have to, you know, and I could just hop in my car and go. Um, And I could do that in private practice, but it was a different thing because I was at my practice and I, you know, so I'd have to drive, you know, so it was, it was a lot more involvement. The other thing, if I'm honest, that I love about it is the fact that I can wear pajama bottoms all day long. Actually, that's probably my favorite. Yeah. I couldn't do that when I was in private practice. I <laughs> yeah, I don't think that would go over well. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom and 
in a professional setting where they're like, okay, should I listen? I know. I don't know. Are you having some sort of neurological issue right now? What's happening? But now I can sit in my pajama bottoms with a perfectly nice shirt. (laughs) Yep. I love it. I love it. I love it. We always, I think now more than ever, more people understand what that's like because of all the Zooms that are going on. Yes. <laughs> They're like, oh, oh my yeah, gosh. I can actually just wear, you know, my pajamas and change my shirt. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I do suggest you wear bottoms in some frame for capacity, yeah. just in case you have to get up. Yeah. But, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Highly suggested. Exactly. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Willis. Where can people find you online? Yes, yes. So if you go to healingstablemisery.com, that absolutely you can grab the freebie there, um, the roadmap that I mentioned earlier, and it has a lot more, it has more tips on there that you can use right now today. Very practical tips that you can use in this moment. Um, So please grab that. And from there, you can also get in touch with me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your wisdom and your expertise. Thank you for having me, Amanda. This has been great. You're welcome. This episode of the Determined Mom Show is brought to you by the Google My Business Master Course. This course will help you get into the top three search results on Google just by learning how to properly manage your Google My Business profile, including optimizing and exactly what you need to be posting every single week. The easiest way to increase your revenue in the Google era is to be in that top three. You'll increase your website visits, your phone calls, and your requests for directions of customers who are actually searching for your business at the moment that they need to purchase. So this is such a valuable course and you can access it by clicking the link in the show notes or you can also access it inside of the Online Marketing for Moms membership.